Hello, my cultured friends, and welcome to another episode of High Culture with Low Friends. As you might have figured out by now, um, we do have a tendency to uh, record multiple uh, episodes at a time um, for for the sake of uh, continuity. <laughs> That's what we'll call it, continuity. And so today, uh, once again, I have a special guest, same special guest from episode six, and that would be my good friend of over 30 years, 35 years, I'm not sure. Uh, Ken Dotson, say hello to everybody, Ken. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back. And uh, so in the last episode, uh, Ken and I actually talked about uh, gaming, and uh, we're switching gears a lot here because uh, we, for years, we have hung out with a, a huge group of friends who are into gaming, and uh, we just happen to be two guys who who uh, know a lot about the, the creative inventive side of gaming but the topic that we're going to talk to you about today is um it's partially in my wheelhouse but it is way totally all both feet stepped into mr dotson's wheelhouse and i don't know of anybody else in our former or current group of friends friends who is into it as much as he is and that is Japanese pop music, also known as J-pop. Now, we're not talking about K-pop. That would be Korean pop music. And even though you think, well, you know, Korea, Japan, same thing. Good God, don't say that to either Koreans or Japanese or they will knock the crap out of you. Um, it's not the same thing. There are a lot of differences. And uh, and we're going to talk about J-pop because Ken, oh my God, I'm, I've never met anybody that loves J-pop as much as you do. Um, <laughs> still speak virtually none of the language. No. <laughs> but, but you try. I mean, you try to learn some of it, right? Mm -hmm. Just don't have anybody to practice with. Oh, well, yeah. What the, aren't there websites for that where you can find somebody to... There are. There's podcasts or websites. Uh, I've been on a couple of groups in the past. I was actually with a, uh, a group here in Louisville several years ago yeah. where you know there were maybe a dozen of us. But unfortunately, the Asian, specifically Japanese population in Louisville, small, is virtually non-existent. Gotcha. It's significant in Lexington, though, which right. is really strange. Well, I think I think here, when it comes to the Asian population here in Louisville, Kentucky, um, we do have a large Vietnamese population. Mm -hmm. We have a large Filipino population. Obviously, uh, I've talked about that. You know, since Shea is Filipino. Um, and I think there's a significant uh, Korean and Chinese population. But you're right. There's not a significant Japanese population here in Louisville. Um, so I don't know where that is. But, I mean, it's different. But the, the thing is, is it, you still, I mean, you, you know a lot more Japanese words than I do, for sure. Words and very, very simple phrases, yeah. Right, right. Can he, and, and how... How prevalent is Kanichiwa? It's not really, is it? Actually, yeah. It's is it? based on time of the day. Ohio is a more common greeting. Not the state. Yeah, not the state. <laughs> Ohio. Uh, it basically means good day. Is, is it pronounced? I mean, is it literally pronounced Ohio? Or Ohio. is Okay. Is there an emphasis, though, like on a different syllable? No, no Ohio. Not, not like no. Chinese. Oh. Uh, there's only like 29 sounds. 
Japanese language. And what was the other one you were telling me? There's, there's... Konnichiwa is good morning. Kombawa is good evening. Kombawa. And Ohio is good day. Ohio. They're actually very condensed versions of what it used to be. It's like for Konnichiwa, it, it used to be a long phrase, which is good morning, how is the weather today? So right. it was a lot longer. And not to go off on a really long tangent about language, but I will say one of the things I learned late <laughs> that um, caught me off guard, and I was like, oh, that's how that is, is the fact that um, there are certain... If you, if you look at a Japanese word, a lot of times you see um, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, and you think that it's, you know, phonetic, 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 it's, and it's not. There, whenever, like, for instance, the word, there's a, there's a wrestler with this name, um, uh, uh, Asuka, uh, A-S-U-K-A, Asuka. Um, and, and when you look at it, that's what you think. You think, oh, her name is Asuka, right? And there, there are other names that you might see where you think, oh, that's another syllable. And it's not. Mm -hmm. that, that vowel that's in between there, between that S and that K, is gone. It's not pronounced. So it's not Asuka, it's Asuka. And, which is, again, in the case of this Japanese rest, this wrestler, WWE, at least she was. I don't know if she still is. Her name is Asuka, not Asuka. And and that and then once I learned that, then I was like, oh shoot, I gotta look at, I gotta go back and look at words and names completely different oh, now. Yeah. And uh, and then of course there's the whole thing that in a lot of Asian cultures where it's last name first, first name last, uh, kind of thing as well. And so, in the current generations, it's just it's Americanized. Oh First really? Yeah. That must piss off a lot of older Japanese. It's <laughs> it's changing. It makes it hard for foreigners, uh, especially if you get a business card from a Japanese individual, yeah. and you don't know which is their first name. <laughs> yep that that would be that because the unlike English names, uh, Japanese names are part of everyday language. Right. And they're interchangeable. I mean, you can have an you can have a name like, and I'll, I'm going to use something very kind of stereotypical. The name uh, Hondo or Honda, and you might look at that and go, "Oh, that's a last name. Hmm? Could be a first name. It could it could go either way." Well, so, also the literal translations. Uh, one of oh, my favorite yeah, yeah. artists, Ayumi uh, Hamasaki. Ayumi means to walk. Oh, okay. And you'll that. hear that in lyric, you know, in some of the lyrics of other songs. Uh, and you uh, think it's a name, and it's not. It's yeah, and it's the speculation I read on it was that uh, basically her her mother or parents wanted her to be able to stand on her own, okay. which is how she got her name. And the name Hitomi, which is pretty common, uh, means team. Wow. Okay. Didn't know that either. Yeah, it's see. This is why I, I say just, you, I just learned it in passing from uh, just <laughs> different wiki and other websites. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, you because of your love of J-pop, you deep dive um, into these things, and, and so so let me ask you then, since since you are the expert in the room, <laughs> how how would you 
you know, I mean, we could define J-pop simply as Japanese pop music, but I feel like that's too easy and that's not, that's not definitive enough. How, um, how would you define J-pop? That's complicated. Uh, well, I give you a try. It's, <laughs> okay, typically in the music industry in Japan, a performer is burned out at the age of 25 to 30 mm -hmm. years old. That's when they retire. Right. Ayumi, Kodakumi, uh, Hitomi Shimitani, and a lot of the others have broken that stereotype. Right. Um, so that they're not like the idol singers. I guess that's the big difference. I, he, uh, their music endures. Let me stop right there. Idol singers. So the idol singers are kind of the equivalent of what the old contract workers for the movie studios would be where they they belong to a production company and they have certain rules and regulations by which they have to live their life yes as part of the image that they give as a performer whether it's singer they, actor etc they have to look attainable but be unreachable uh, oh wow that's yeah. i like that uh, I like the the, the AKB forty eight, which is one of the biggest right. female right. pop groups over there, and it's it's like twelve different organizations of girls, and they're all at different levels of seniority. One of them, uh, somebody, <coughs> somebody caught a picture of her coming out of a love hotel with a guy. Well, just, huge yeah. scandal. Because is she the one that shaved her hair? Yes, she cut oh, her hair yeah. in apology. I mean, just just like Britney Spears did when she had that little breakdown. Yeah, just and she was also demoted. Right. She was put with one of the lesser groups for like a year. See, now that's that's the part of that the business over there because that sort of thing happens in Korea too in the K-pop, and I find that extremely sad. Yeah, and, and well, wrong. It's I, it's really cutthroat actually because. Yeah. Um, Morning Masumi is another huge oh, one over there. I remember them. I remember that, yeah. They're another idol group. And they're from, like, children. And I mean, right, right. seven, eight, nine years old, up to 18. Because when you turn 18, you graduate. Yeah, and you don't get to perform beyond that in that group. Well, they usually go off and do solo things. Yeah, uh, okay. I mean, there's one of the girls she uh, that, that I saw this program on. It was basically covering her graduation from the group. And, you know, she's been doing this pop music thing for six, eight years at this point, at, at a minimum. But her background is what's called Inka, E-N-K-A, which is basically Japanese folk music. Oh, okay. Which is where she went to after she graduated. Mm. She released some beautiful, beautiful songs uh, and really spotlighted her voice. See, that, that kind of begs the question then, too, that... For me, from my understanding too, um, J-pop. When when you define J-pop, you're also def defining a certain sound. Um, there is it's it's kind of like what we would refer to here in America as bubblegum pop. Would would you agree with that statement? Mm, a little bit. It's not like the Go Go's or Wham, which that is like the definition of American pop music. Right. Um, there is but I'm thinking about like, like some of these Disney child singer stars. 
that kind of bubble gum. You mean like Hannah Montana? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly like Hannah Montana. Like, like Miley's. Yeah. The, I think the pop, the J-pop, uh, a lot of them get discovered via animated because they'll do the opening or closing credits. Well, they'll do the OST. Yeah. Uh, that's how I learned about IU. There was an anime called Inuyasha. Oh, yeah. About <laughs> a boy, he's he's half wolf spirit. And I was, you know, I was watching this uh, on, it was uh, late night cartoons on some channel. This is back before the turn of the century. And I heard the song, the <laughs> ending close. Oh hey, we're old. We can I say that. I just said turn of the century, no. but you're completely right. Oh my but God. <laughs> uh, I'm listening to the the song, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's amazing!" So I recorded it the next time it was on, so I could see who sang it. Well, it was Ayumi that was singing. I says, "Wow, that's neat." So I did a went and started doing a search. Uh, I went to eBay, found a couple of her albums, and this is when she was, I think, still in her teens. Right. I mean, she was really young when she did these songs, right. and. I got a couple of CDs. I said, wow, that's just amazing. Yeah, this is like 30 years ago we're yeah. talking about, like in yeah. the early Ayumi, 90s, right? Ayumi has been called the Empress of J-pop. Oh. And she probably She's carries... kind of like uh, Boa is in Korea. Yeah, only she carries more weight than practically anybody else in the industry. Wow. Uh, her, her agent, uh, I think his name is Max Matsudara, uh, I'm probably butchering his name, and I apologize to him, but there was, I read this thing where there was this uh, little row between him and another agent. And according to the story, Ayumi steps in, this is at Avex, their label, and says, basically, if Max goes, I go. And then Kodakumi uh, and several other very well-known artists say, if I knew he goes, we're going. Right. And the guy that Max had this altercation with basically resigned in shame. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, she also quit taking awards for music because she said it wasn't fair. <laughs> that is a very Japanese yeah. thing. And well, she's also, see. she's probably one of the most honest performers I have ever seen. Well, uh, what she, do you mean writes, by that? she writes virtually all of her own music. Okay. I was going to ask uh, you about that. And there is one song that I've only seen her do in concert footage, I think once or twice. And I challenge anybody that, that has even a smidgen of the Grinch's soul, <laughs> okay, to find the lyrics for this in whatever language you have and then watch her perform it live. And not get teary-eyed. Oh wow! And the song is called "Teddy Bear." I, you know, I think I vaguely remember you mentioning that yeah. song before. And she puts her whole heart and soul in her music. Right. Uh, in an interview that uh, there's an interview out on YouTube that is mostly in English when her album "Secret" came out. That was really enlightening. And you know, she they said every album is her life at that point in time and that of her friends. So I got reeled in by her, just right. by her attitude. She's 
never graduated high school, never went to college. She's very humble. I mean, she is the definition of a Japanese person, right. pretty much. And, you know, as I was reading the, this earlier article on her, <clears throat> uh, when Max discovered her, he sent her to music training in Japan. Well, it's not like it is here. It's very rigid, very structured. And she started cutting classes because she hated it. So on Max's dime, he sends her to New York to learn stuff there. And as they're corresponding back and forth, he realizes that she had a talent for writing and urged her to start writing music. Right. And like I said, very few of her songs are not written by her. Well, let, let me ask you this. Going back to sort of the music side of it, if you if you compare, uh, obviously we know we already know now that Iomi is your favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we if we look at J-pop as a as a whole, my my perception has always been that it's usually very positive. Mm -hmm. It's very peppy. Yes, it's very, very upbeat, upbeat and energetic. So would you say that clearly Iomi is one case where not all of her music is like that. She has a wide, but when she first started in the beginning, was it mostly like that? And, and do you feel like J-pop is defined by that sort of peppy, energetic, positive? I think in a lot of ways it is because if you look, Puffy, Amy, you. Okay, okay. yeah. They, they were another idol. They were thrown together. It's kind of like how Motown worked here in America right. in the early days. Well, it's like that. And again, in K-pop, you know, you've got um, SM Town and um, SM Entertainment. You, you've got uh, J-pop. They have, they have these very much, it's these contract systems, these studio mm -hmm. systems. I always equivocated to like the 20s and 30s, you know, MGM and and the movie companies, they owned oh, yeah. those those uh, movie stars. And the other thing, too, uh, I was reading recently on, uh, oh, heck, what's her name? Amy, Amy Suzuki. Okay. Uh, another excellent musician. Uh, but she was under uh, a different label. And it turns out they were under reporting her sales. Oh, so they didn't yeah. have to pay. She was making $1,500 American a month yeah. as a star. Well, her, I think it was her father sued them for violating the contract and she was blacklisted. And wow. yeah, her second album, she produced and paid for herself. Mm. You know, so she had a, a very, very rough ride, even though yeah. she's an excellent musician. Yeah. Those I, I just I don't feel like those studios studio systems work. The, there's a perception about oh, but here's the benefits, but I don't think the benefits outweigh some of the damage they do sometimes. Yeah, it's it's like uh, movie contracts here. Yeah. You know, everybody's heard about what happened with Scarlett Johansson and Walt Disney. Oh you know, yeah, her, yeah, yeah. The second Black Widow movie was canceled. Yeah. Uh, because she found out she was grossly underpaid for the first movie. And they blacklisted her. You know, they said, okay, well, we're just not going to do any more movies with her. Wow. And, which is a crime. Yeah. And, 
every day you hear about it in TV shows and movies, uh, you know, across the map, where you have typically a a minority or female performer getting half of what a white male supporting character would get. Right. Even though they have a more important role. No. So, and, but that's sadly the nature of the beast and it's all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's Some not, countries are even worse. That is, that is definitely not just an American experience thing. That's, yeah. that is a global thing, unfortunately. But so in, in Japan, these contracts are ironclad. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they've teams of lawyers and oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. So. And it's it's just horrifying when you really dig in and learn about it. You know how these girls are just treated as a commodity. Yeah. And not so much them, but even the boy bands. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, it's their their life is dictated. Well, and there's there's no room for error because you know we've seen and and, and again I'm going back. I know more about the K-pop than I do the J-pop, but you know there's been a lot of. Uh, male uh, singers from very popular uh hugely successful bands that have found themselves in legal troubles because um they have uh because the things they've done they've they've you know they didn't grow up in a normal what we would consider uh, you know a normal atmosphere for a child or a teen or a young adult and in that you know they're they're constrained inside the system that has certain expectations and they don't learn consequences in the same way um and it's all and it's all about money yeah and two it's the society is very very slow to change yeah yeah Um, yeah and you know slower than even us and you know we're moving into snails and we're going backwards now right in a lot of things again we don't talk politics on this show But, uh, you know, you just, you just watch and listen. It's like, you know, it's like, well, why are these singers washed up at 25, 30 years yeah, old? Burnt they're, out. Yeah. yeah. Been doing it since 12. But, and, uh, yeah. and virtually every singer I started listening to is still producing albums to this right. day, which, you know, then it would have been unheard of. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll take, uh, our, our little, uh, designated interval here and we'll come back and we'll talk about some specific artists so uh yeah there we go so just to recap then uh j-pop um idol pop tends to be a bouncy energetic positive uh positivity based um pop music um, that is uh, a big chunk of it, but it's not um, the only thing. We can get variations off of that and still be within the wheelhouse of J-pop. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah. Since we do have, I mean, we have some ballads. We have some more introspective stuff, like you're talking about Teddy Bear. Yeah, you got, and you got the rap music. Uh, it's, uh, oh, who are they called? I'm telling you, there's there's nothing like Asian rap. I yeah, those words are hard to say anyway. I mean, I know it's not hard for 
I'm just saying, but when you hear, so there's a guy, and again, I'm, I'm divert, I'm going to the Cape. There's a guy, um, it was a band, Big Bang, and the the lead rapper for Big Bang in Korea was a guy who his name I don't I can't remember his real name, but it, he was known as Top T O P Top, and he did. There was a song they did called Wow Fantastic Baby, and he does this rap in there, and I'm my, when I first heard it, my mind went. It just blew up because I was like, he is so, it was so fast. And it was just these very staccato um, syllables coming out. Mm -hmm. And man, I was hooked. I was like, man, these guys, these guys are good. And I've been listening to K-pop since, as long as you've been listening to J-pop. Yeah. And I've been listening to J-pop for as long too. I just never deep dove into it like you did. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I get at some point. I think it was band um, groups like AKB48, groups like that where it was it was just too sugary for me. Some of the Japanese stuff was just too sugary for me. Whereas if I looked at the groups that were big, like back in the mid to late '90s in, in Korea, it was TT Ma, SES, um, uh, J uh, J Young, J Young Park, maybe. I can't, I can never remember his name. I can I never get it right. Let's put it that way. I remember him. That stuff had more of a kind of an edge to it. It was, it was much more sort of on the, um, the hip side. Whereas I could never, I could never find the hip side of the Japanese. Oh, pop we're just music. looking in the wrong places. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure because I know later there's been a couple of bands that you turned me on to. Um, there was a band, one, not my, not my most favorite, but one of my favorites was um, the 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 first word of the the name of their band was Green something Green or Green something or something Green, and they were more kind of the, the brilliant Green, brilliant Green. Maybe that was it. Yeah. It wasn't because it wasn't really J pop. It was more like J folk. Yeah, um, brilliant Green. Yeah. Every little thing. Uh, yeah. On the rock side, you've got Do's Infinity and Tomika Bond. Uh, on probably a lighter pop side, you've got Benny, uh, which is B-E-N-I, not right. B-E-N-N-Y. Uh, Boa, of course, because she's fluent in Japanese. Right. Uh, well, she's Korean, though. So. Yeah, she's Korean. And <laughs> I yeah, was watching I one of her a, concerts. She's a big crossover there. And, yeah. uh, you know, it had, uh, you know, this huge, gigantic, like, marquee. And it says, you know, just B-O-A. Pops oh, up yeah. and says, She's huge. Best of Asia. Yeah. And then it clears and says, Bring on America. I mean, I said this in the, <clears throat> in the first segment. Uh, Boa is the Iumi of Korea. Yeah. And Iumi is the Boa of Japan. But here's the thing I want it because once I let you go, I know I'm not going to be able to stop you. <laughs> so I'm, I want to go ahead and tell you I have two favorite J pop band uh, groups. Uh, I, I am I am reluctant to, to use the word band, so uh, I will say groups. Two favorite J-pop groups, and one of them I don't know. They're only like half J-pop, um, so I'll explain that in a minute. My my most favorite though is a group called um, Perfume, and I think I discovered them, found them 
probably in the mid 2000s. Um, I want to say it was before the second divorce. <laughs> I don't think it was after. I think it was before and I got kind of hooked and I, and I found him because I was watching so much K-pop and, and, um, so, but the thing about perfume is it's a, it's a three woman, um, group. Um, my favorite that they're, they have nicknames, like a lot of them, you know, a lot of these groups and bands do, um, it's comprised of Ayani Omoto, who's known as Nochi, um, Ayaka Nishiwaki, who's known as Achan, and then Yuka Kashino, who's known as uh, Kashiyuka. And they do, their music is kind of more EDM, electric dance music. The, the guy that um, basically discovered them and put them together, they were childhood friends. And, and they started very young. They started in this group like when they were 12 or 13. And they're still doing it after, I mean, like they've been doing it for about 20 years. And um, I think I saw recently where Nochi just turned 32 or 33 or something like that. So, um, but it's, it's very electronic, very high pitched. I, I was just mentioning to you in the break, but my wife doesn't care much for their music because it's so high pitched. But I like it because it's a. I like watching their videos. Their the the video concepts and the music are blended together very well. It has a very futuristic feel to it, and that's because and a big part of that's because of their producer, the guy that brought them together. Um, he was a EDM artist in his own right. Cannot remember his name or the name of the group. Escape Pod something Pod, um, and so. Um, and the reason why I like them is is because of that futuristic. It's the music is always extremely positive. It always puts a smile on my face. It never makes me sad. In fact, they're they're one of my happy places. If I want to feel better, if I'm feeling sad, I can play, um, you know, the it, just about any of their songs, and it makes me feel better. And so I love that positive energy that comes from. Them. So that's. That's my number one favorite. My second most favorite J-pop group <laughs> is half J-pop, half metal. And of course, it's baby metal um, because people who listen to this um, podcast know that I am a metalhead. I am, uh, you know, heavy metal is one of my favorite forms, if not the probably the most favorite form of music of mine. And those those gals i mean they've got they've got the little the little dresses the little like j-pop dresses but then they come out there and they kirk oh, they're fox they, spirits fox spirits right they each got the mask oh my god and then they got that band the band behind them those guys shred and tear it up you know it's it's not like just some kind of support band they are Oh yeah, the videos. And, you know, amazing. they are a metal band within their own right, but you know, and you—I don't know if you know this story or not, but Baby Metal is a huge fan of another band called Bring the Horizon, and there was a, a, a festival or a concert or something where both of them were playing, and they got to meet Bring the Horizon, and Bring the Horizon, it turns out, was a fan of them. And so they took pictures and they got together and they said, we need to perform together. And so 
they ended up recording a song together and it's one of the best metal songs ever in the history of metal in my opinion called kingslayer kingslayer and so and I, if, if you can't figure out why I like them from what I just said, you're not paying attention. <laughs> well, if, if I remember correctly about reading on them or reading about them on, on Wiki, they're heavily influenced by Def Leppard. Oh, that yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And yeah. uh, another group you might want to check out is Wakagi Band. Wakagi. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Uh, eight members, and it's a mixture of traditional... Japanese oh. instruments like the three string guitar yeah played with the whalebone yep, yep. paired with another performer that has an electric guitar nice. another guy plays the bamboo flute and then you got a guy on the drums and their lead singer and it's shape would hate it because <laughs> she has that very high oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know droning voice it's very traditional but they blend traditional Japanese with modern rock. See, here, seamlessly. here's the thing I would love to see just once. And maybe she's done it. Sue Metal, which is the leader of Baby Metal, right? She's she's the, the kid leader, right? Although I think she's she's like 18 now. They're, I think they're all still in high school because none of them dyed their hair. Oh, okay. Well, that could be. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a rule. Uh, okay. In high school, you must have black hair. Oh, okay. It cannot be brown. I did not know that. It has to be black. Uh, if you look at the old stuff at Scandal when they first started, you know, they're in their schoolgirl outfits, but they've all got the black hair. And then at a certain point, Mammy's gone, I think, pink. Oh, wow. And Tomomo or Tomomi so you goes know, blue. you know they're done. They're not blue, they're blonde. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But what I was going to say is I want to see, I want to hear Sue Metal, Dirty Saint. Just once, like in the middle of a new song, hear her all of a sudden just crank out a, you know, just hear that. I don't think they can make those sounds. Oh, sure they can. I, I mean, yeah, a, a woman's body is no, 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 no. Now, now, see, now <laughs> you're going to have to go back and listen to the episode two on Discovering New Music where I talk about several bands that are fronted by female artists that dirty sing better than the boys. <laughs> And it's amazing. And in fact, Spirit Box, check them out. And uh, Arch Enemy. Uh. <laughs> An American group that I was actually saw uh, the lead singer interviewed on the news last night. Uh, pretty Reckless. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know them. Yeah. She was a child actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've seen several of their videos. I like I like where they're going. Yeah. I like their stuff. She took a five-year hiatus. Uh, the group that did Black Hole Sun. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the lead singer. Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yeah. Chris Cornell. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he committed suicide or died in some kind of nasty accident. He did. He was, he, no, yeah. no, he was, he was, uh, um, he suffered uh, issues with depression and so on and, and yeah that was a well, huge loss for the part um it the almost took world. her down too oh, because wow. they were so tight okay i did yeah i didn't know that i'll have to look more into that because yeah, chris I'm, chris cornell is a he's a huge um geez one of these guys i really related to that i was um you know i was really in the sound garden and i was so sad when he passed away and and uh 
pretty reckless. Yeah. She's got some amazing videos yeah. out there and a powerful, powerful voice. Yeah. Yeah, she does. But back to J-pop. Yeah. So so for me, it's perfume for the, the, the popular side and, and, of course, baby metal. And we, we know from the first segment that Ayumi Hamasaki yes, is your doubt. most favorite. Um, and I think we kind of know why. Too. <laughs> I would love to make her my next ex-wife. You know? uh, that would make that would make my, oh, my, my life. Goodness. I don't think you should say that. No, that's probably not. <laughs> well, she's been married twice. Uh, the first time she got divorced because of what happened in uh, the, the tsunami. Because he was, I think, in Australia. But she couldn't leave her oh, wow. people, so they divorced, so that she and she stayed in Japan. Oh, and then it. I read a, something she might have married somebody else after that, but I can't remember if she did or not. Well, who who else are you big on? Oh gosh, there's so many. Well, um, let's think in terms of like ranking. Like if you know who who's who's at the top who's the first oh that you would like if you if you couldn't get a hold of any Iowan music and you had all these other people what's the first one you would listen to who's the first one you would want to listen to all of them <laughs> i mean but what about, uh, like i said there's benny there's tomika bond do his infinity tomika bond i see every in the past when i've ridden with you and in the past two days when i've ridden with you in the car you always have a lot of her playing. I, I feel like she's. It's set for random. <laughs> I've got it set on shuffle. Then you and must. It seems to reset every time which, I stop the track. Which means you must have more of her in your library than. Actually, the... no. I've got hundreds of Ayumi songs. I've, on In the jump drive in the truck, there's about eight gigabytes of J pop. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a I lot. haven't even ripped the rest of it yet. And I need to get a converter because I bought a lot of these over iTunes, which uses an M4A format that it's updated everything to that will not play on any MP3 player. You have to right. burn up to 20 songs to a CD, and you can only make 20 copies of that CD on iTunes. Dude, that's a new vehicle out there. Why don't you just sync your phone? I have an Android. iTunes doesn't work on Android. So I've been using Amazon Music. That's where I got Garnadelia is another one. It's a duo. Uh, again, beautiful voice, uh, techno, kind of kind of beat to it. Uh, Scandal. You know, I fell in love with those girls when I first heard them. But and, now, are you a fan of Kota Kumi? Oh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Kota's... Well, She's pretty much retired. Uh, and Nami Amaru, you know, she's retired. Uh, she's big in hip hop. And Kota Kumi was a little hip, well, probably just as much hip hop as Nami. Uh, and then there's Mika Nakashima. Uh, uh, we were talking about just uh, on and on. He, an, another one that I always enjoyed listening to was Hitomi Shimatani. Yeah. She, uh, she definitely fell within that. The, the, the J pop oh, definition. Easily. Always the, the the only problem I ever have with with Kumi is I always felt like she wasn't really quite J pop. Like she was kind of beyond that. She was in a different genre than than what I would call because I, for me J pop J pop is is a a genre and this is kind of going back to the definition, but it's really more of a 
genre of Japanese music. It's not, it doesn't cover all Japanese pop music. J-pop, when you say the, the word J-pop, that, that's a specific kind of Japanese music. Yeah. And, and I always felt like Kotokumi didn't completely fall that within that, that she was more on like, like Japanese R&B. Yeah. Well, it's, and the other group that I, the rap group that I couldn't remember before, Soulhead, uh, you know, they're very distinct too. This is the third episode in a row. The Princess pa uh, Sassy Padme in there has decided to chime in. And I can't tell whether or not she approves of J-pop or disapproves of J-pop. Well, if she doesn't approve, she has no taste. <laughs> <laughs> That's spoken from the master. So, <laughs> As my ex-wife said, you've got some strange taste in music. <laughs> right. I, I went from Styx, ELO, Boston, <laughs> Bachman Turner Overdrive. The 70s supergroups. Yeah, all that, you know, Jay Giles Band, Alan Parsons Project, you know, that's stuff I grew up on. Yeah, progressive. Almost overnight to almost J-pop exclusives. So so you don't listen to any of that other stuff at all? Once in a blue moon, I've got it oh, in man. that 8 gig. See, I've got a lot of stuff in there, and it will pop up. I mean, you'll hear uh, a little bit of Richie Blackmore. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of Jethro Tull. That's okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> a little bit of sticks, a little bit of ELO. See, I can't, I can't, I can't go 100% with just one thing all the time. I, my, my tastes are very, I, I get into this conversation with people a lot about, you know, whether, you know, uh, there, I, I will listen to anything. I'll listen to any genre of music. I will listen to, you know, obviously I love heavy metal, but I'll, I'll listen to country. And, and give it a chance. And if it's a good song, I'll, I'll be like, okay, that was a good song. I There's some rap stuff that yeah. I'll listen to. On country, uh, I'm pretty much Shania Twain, Dixie Chicks. See that, but that's and, all old school. I yeah. mean, I say old school, but that's not even old. Well, that's not even real old school. For old school, Mozart, Tchaikovsky. <laughs> well, that's going in, that's way old school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Holst, the planets, one of my favorites. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one as well. I agree. Well, uh, on that note, we'll, we'll go ahead and take another quick break here, and we'll come back. And I'm—I'll be honest. I don't know how we're going to wrap this up. We're just going to—we're just going to let it fly. <laughs> So we've been talking about J-pop today. We, we've defined what J-pop is, basically, as far as its, its positivity, its energy, its, its uh, peppiness. Um, we've talked about some of our favorite bands, um, favorite artists, uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Dotson here has given us a, uh, a deep dive on a lot of different artists in uh, J-pop. Um, you know, having said all this, obviously there's a wealth of, Good stuff there. Um, why, uh, you know, many people who who listen to this are going to recognize some of the K-pop references that I've made. You know, um, why, why hasn't J-pop cracked the American music scene like uh, K-pop has? It hasn't been promoted as well, for one, at least not here. It's still a part of the, you know, the, the Asian society. You know, they're going to know who these people are. Well, but 
they're, you get, you they're, get out in the middle, you know, Midwest, they're just going to look at you like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, there's definitely a cultural thing. There's a certain, un, unless you've studied Asian cultures and, and specifically studied Japanese culture or have been there, you don't quite understand there's this huge difference in just attitude, just the way people treat one another and they approach one another. And, you know, this idea of um, uh, civility, for one, you know, that it's it's just a different animal. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, maybe, maybe part of it is that the Japanese music industry is just not capable of marketing to um, an American sentiment, you know. The thing that's going to help the most, I think, is actually the anime. Uh, recently, yep. matter of fact, one one of the classic animes, Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah, yeah, live action. They, now. they did the live action. Yep. And I was, you know, following some of that. The reason the live action is so true to a lot of the stuff on the anime is Yoko Kano was hired right, to do the right. soundtrack. Yep. So they used uh, Tank, which is the anime's opening bit the live action which right. is a very jazzy kind of thing which more of us can relate to right uh it's just like when i watched inuyasha and got hooked uh you know do i think yeah do is infinity is yeah. another group that they did one of the opening it goes back to those osts and you know i, I agree with you 100 because this was the theory that i was going to talk about is that i think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen with Gen Z because, um, as a lot of people know, as you know, now I'm all, I'm trying to be all over social media, mostly because I'm trying to promote, but I, I also, although I don't want the perception of being hip, I try to be hip, right? I want to know what's going on. I, I, cause I'm so fascinated by pop culture. And so I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on, I'm on Facebook and I'm paying attention to it more now um, than than I was because of trying to promote things. Um, and I've noticed this really interesting thing is there is this whole there is a swath of these Gen Z people who are really into anime, and it's not necessarily the personality types are the people that you would expect. It's everybody. I've seen such a diverse group of people on social media who are really into anime. And as we've said before, a lot of these J-pop stars got their start by doing the OSTs for anime and um, these folks that these, these younger folks that are into the anime now, because you know, I remember, I remember in the '90s when I I watched a smattering of it. I could never get into it like some people. Some of it I like, but you know, if somebody said they like uh, anime, we, we didn't necessarily take that seriously. Well, I think it depends you know? on how you're introduced to it too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> An associate or a friend of mine, his introduction to anime was 
probably better classified as hentai. Oh, I. Yeah, well. <clears throat> geez, so that's it, a it whole. It scarred him for several years. <laughs> that's not an introduction. I was. I, well, I would like, call. No, I mean, he had some friends. We're going to be watching this anime come on. I was like, okay. And. He he still hasn't told me what it was, but my guess is it had to do with tentacle porn. <laughs> is the only thing I can think of. Why is it the two episodes <laughs> in a row now? You haven't mentioned the word porn. <laughs> because I'm practical. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll back up a little bit. Uh, see, when I hear the word anti, I don't even think anime. Because to me, it's a whole completely different thing. But having said that, um, anime in general, mm -hmm. even like, so my wife, I, I can't get her to, I couldn't get her to watch Clone Wars because it was animated and she thought of it as a cartoon for kids. When she thinks of anime, she thinks of it as for oh, no, kids. Bugs Bunny, well, that's a bad example. But but He's again, it's it's this perception that if it's animated, it's a cartoon yeah. instead of the fact that okay, and and that's what I mean. I, I get this because uh, again, I'm hung out with a lot of nerdy, geeky, weird people just like me for years mm -hmm. that that are into it and understand. These are just stories that happen to be animated, and I you know two two movies come to mind. Uh, that I think would be a good get your get your feet wet for anime. And the first is the Animatrix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. Actually, three. Another is the original Ghost in the Shell. Yes, I agree. And um, what was there? It, it was um, Gogo Thirteen. This was, it was another one that I liked. Spirits, Spirits oh. Within. Yeah, uh, Donald Sutherland was one of the voice actors for it. Um, and then if you're talking about the Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final you know, Fantasy, The Spirit Within. Yeah, yeah. That is another good one. Yeah, there's three, uh, Bridget Fonda yeah. uh, voices in that one, too. Yeah. And no, I, I agree. There, there are some really, really good stories, you know, from a storyteller perspective that have been told with anime and with animated film that oh, I yeah. think. My, my thing with it is, um, and, and the thing is, is I've tried, I, my introduction, Ghost in the Shell, Robotech, Gogo mm -hmm. uh, 13, Gundam, uh, Gundam, um, uh, Battle Angel Alita, um, oh, that was really good Cow, Cowboy Bebop. Those were ones that I liked, but there was a point where there was stuff, there's this whole other group of, I guess, a genre of, of anime that I really could never get into. And it's the, 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 the school gangs kind of, there's, there's so many of those where I just, I couldn't relate to, you know, I mean, not that I necessarily relate to Robotech. It's just a really good story, but you, you know what I mean? There's, mm -hmm. there's certain things. And, and I've tried to hear recently, actually, um, there's, as I said, you know, seeing all these people being into anime again, um, I tried to, you know, go back and go, okay, well, what's something I can watch that everybody's talking about? So I tried watching uh, Demon Slayer 
Um, I think that's what it's called. Demon Slayer, Demon Hunter. Um, uh, I think it's, both. it's a new one. It's on Netflix. And I, I got like halfway through the first episode. And I'm like, nope, can't do it. I, I couldn't get into it at all. Now, the, the one, and there's a couple other I can't remember the titles of that I tried to watch. And I, I couldn't get into them. There was one that I did watch several episodes of. And that was Attack on Titan. That, that's kind of gory. It is. That's up there with Ninja Scroll. It, it's it's intense, but but I did actually enjoy that one. I just thought of one of the best ones, Howl's Moving Castle. What? Howl's Moving Castle. How do you spell the H O W E L L S? I am not familiar with that. You need to watch. And that's from the nineties as well. Eighties. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I just know it is some amazing animation and writing i'll have to definitely have to check that out howl's moving castle yeah it kind of reminds me of a title of a ninja movie called owl's castle that's set during the nobunaga the period um but it's like that's live action that's a live action ninja movie there that's a whole other now i need to write that that's another topic (laughs) we need to cover at some point is um Martial arts movies. Five Deadly Venoms. Oh, yes. One of, that's <clears throat> that's up there. That's in my top five is the Five Deadly, oh, deadly uh, Venoms. Um, my favorite, uh, since we're talking about it, I'm just going to say my favorite is uh, The Man with Flying Guillotine. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, which, <laughs> Any, anything with the Shaw Brothers. Mention, though, is, uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, he's thinking. It's, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah, but no. Oh, come no. on. Egg That's Shen. an American movie. Yes, but Egg Shen. I, is I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good movie, but that's not a Kung Fu movie. That's not. Man. It's got to be. It's got to be Hong Kong. See, I, I, there are certain things I draw the line on. A good, a, a good Kung Fu movie has got to be uh, from. It's got to be like from Hong Kong or at least Chinese, you know, production. I mean, I, I'm not discounting. That's a great movie. It's a, it's an old great movie. I wish I could remember but, the other one. It's uh, right there on the tip of my right brain. There. Yeah, I can see. I can see the scenes. I in can it. see the gears going in his head. And um, it looks like he's going to explode any second now. Um, yeah, give me I a know hint. it if I. Uh, okay, no, he's not. Didn't get it. It's not like there. I said. I can see several of the scenes. <laughs> Uh, one of them, the guys trying to trying to learn the uh, I think the maneuver is the palm of God, or something like that. Oh. Uh, but you're talking about a this is an actual Hong Kong kung yes, fu movie. This this is a, a Chinese Jackie Chan in this. No, no. Sammo Hung. Nope. Donnie uh, Yen. No. Uh, Bruce Lee. <laughs> no, but any, any of his stuff is good. Oh, I know all of his stuff. Heck, is any good. of Jackie's. Yeah. Oh, police story. Uh, uh, yeah, or or the first one, the the snake uh, snake eagle. Can't remember the title of that one now, but uh, but I'm going to go back to anime though, and or why am I going back to anime? I'm going back to J-pop. <laughs> the the theory that J-pop and will will come to us will come to America through anime. I think maybe you know this this group of uh, kids now this gen z group they're pretty savvy they're pretty media savvy 
because they've been on social media their entire life. They were born into it. They don't know what it was like to have to do deal with a modem back in the 80s and 90s. They don't know what it was like. To, yeah, no <laughs> internet. I mean, I remember when I first started using a computer at Ball State in 1986, 85, 86, the internet was Usenet groups, and that was it. There were no user interfaces, no GUIs. It was still uh, DARPA when I started. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's you know. And then I, I was introduced to computers my senior year of high school. Yeah. And it's been a love affair ever since. That's 1983. So yeah. No, I understand because 81 is when I first started getting into computers. So, but uh, yeah, I think you know this Gen Z they've grown up in the in the new age of. of social media and and instant technology and so they have access we're now at a point in time where human beings have more access to more stuff mm -hmm. across the country than ever before in history and so if if there's a time for there to be some saturation in any market it's it's from this point forward i think so yeah, the world has shrunk so much in just the past 10 years. Yeah. It's it's terrifying. And what it's done in 25 years is is um, I never would have thought it would be what it is. So mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's and, you know, it's, it's interesting that we mentioned that while we're talking about J-pop, because if there's something that the Japanese culture is really good at it. Is, it is technology and utilizing technology. We, I tell you what, we do some stupid things with technology in this country and in, in, you know, in other parts of the Western world and the amount of things, and there's been things I've discovered just in the past few months, uh, Japanese inventions, technological inventions that I am just blown away. I'm like, uh, why didn't you think of that? Watch Modern Marvels. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to announce my nomination to become dictator of the world so that no, I can fix everything. No. I need 10 years. There are enough There are enough rivals out there. There's enough people in our politics right now yeah. who are already. Well, like I said, I need, I need 10 years to fix it, oh, my get goodness. the moon base built, and the first colony ship uh. at least started. Here so I have go. a place to retire. This is for those of you. So it's the grassroots movement. Says, yeah, I've had to deal with this for a long time, people. <laughs> I just want you to know. It's been my plan for over 40 years. One of the benefits of the pandemic is not having to listen to this plan of his for two years. So, But let, let's uh, let's finish up. We're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um, you know, in all seriousness, what um, so. I have some, I kind of have some takeaways about, about J-pop, but I, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the end all be all, how would you, how would you describe the, the overall cultural benefit of J-pop to either Japan or Japan in the world? What, you know, why, why is it that J-pop has such a special place in your heart, Mr. Dotson? The honesty of the music, pure and simple. Uh, when I started, you know, getting the lyrics to some of these songs I was listening to and just reading over them, 
and being able to relate directly to them, right? You know, it it just gives you a feeling of peace for a little bit. I like that answer. That's a good answer. The honesty of the music, because there's there's not. Sometimes I feel like there's not enough of that in music, um, in some music. I feel like I, I, I constantly have to I have to qualify a lot of things I say. I like to choose my words carefully. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this is, uh, again, I want to thank uh, anybody out there who has uh, decided to listen to us today. Uh, hopefully learn a little bit more about J-pop. Maybe it'll inspire you to go check out some. Ayumi Hamasaki, for sure, you got to check out. Uh, and uh, for my recommendation, uh, Perfume. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe do a little bit of deep dive. And uh, so we're we're glad. Oh, and and there she is, uh, Princess Sassy Padme would also like to let you know that she does approve of J-pop as long as it's on volume three. And... <laughs> And probably the easiest way to get a broad uh, introduction to it is go on Pandora or Spotify and just type in J-pop on the wow. search line and hit play. Yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few here I've on done that. Spotify. So, oh, yeah. When I was setting mine up the other day, I just put in J-pop and started clicking on people. Yep. <laughs> and yep. it would expand to show other people. All my favorites were there within a couple of minutes. Yep. Uh, so much so that when I first tried to launch it, I crashed my phone. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Ken, for joining me for uh, these uh, past two uh, episodes. And uh, thank you, uh, listeners, for uh, listening to us here at High Culture with Low Friends. And in the meantime, stay cultured, my friends. You've been listening to High Culture with Low Friends, a weekly odyssey of everything pop culture. High Culture with Low Friends is copyright and produced by Wicked Wolf Media Art Studios. Be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a moment. Mm-hmm.